welcome back to the 3D Orco Pro podcast. And uh, I'm really excited to have Ruben Nathan with me today. And Ruben is a CAD CAM orthotic designer at LOC. Um, welcome, Ruben. Thank you for agreeing to come on after I pestered, yeah. you, on, pestered you on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> A lot. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you, Doug. Uh, thank you, Doug. Thanks for inviting me on your podcast, Job. It's uh, a great pleasure to be here with you. Um, and hope we can keep our audience, you know, interested in NKH. Let's see cool. how it goes. Cool. Thank yeah. you. I, and I think for me asking you to come on because you are a designer and a, that's an area where I really want to learn some more. And I'm sure anybody listening uh, would like to kind of understand um, a bit more about how that process happens and and the ideas, the ideology behind it of of, of kind of where where an idea starts from. But I thought we'd start with just you telling us how you've ended up as a designer in the orthotics industry. Orthotic industry, um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Or, or uh, yeah, so, just just as your background. Yeah. So I'm an orthotist by trained. Um, I'm trained in Sri Lanka. So now I'm working for a London orthotic consultancy as a CAD designer. Okay. Um, since I moved to the UK. Yeah. Are you doing any clinical stuff now or? Uh, no, sorry. I don't really practice in the UK at the moment. Okay. Um, so so the, the reason, um, the thing is that the course is quite different what we've done in the Sri Lanka. So in order to practice in the UK, I have to follow all three years again in the UK. Did? So, oh, that's yeah, it's, it's a bit tricky for me with the time and family, you know. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing is over the last couple of years, I've developed keen interest in 3D printing orthoses. Um, even though I've been working for a, a lot for, a, you know, last seven, eight years, but the 3D printing has started only recent years. Yeah. Um, so how do I find myself as a, you know, a PNO? So, so this is the, the, the PNO course is quite new to Sri Lanka. This is only, yeah. they started 15 years, 10 to 15 years back. Many, and, is, there um, many, is there many PNO people in Sri Lanka? Is there many? No, so I, I, was, I was one of the first or second batch. Um, right. It's the very first batch, yeah. So now sure. we almost uh, 120 PNOs from each batch. We could only passed out really, you know, 10 to 15 Orthotist, that's it. Okay, yeah, but you're, uh, similar to when, when I graduated, there's only about 13 of us that graduated. And then would you, <clears throat> in Sri Lanka, would you tend to practice both? Yeah, Piano, so yeah, we just, yeah, the course is just designed for prosthetics and orthotics, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've done more prosthetic stuff in Sri Lanka than, you know, orthotics because, uh, you know, because of this um, situation, the civil wars and stuff, you know, there are lots yeah. of amputee than, rather than the orthotic needs. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all quite quite interesting um, course. So I quite like the biomechanics and forces, you know, and kinematics and stuff. So it, it already makes sense now. I can see, like, because I've seen, like, obviously, there's some of the a lot of the things you've designed and and shared on social media. And then I've seen, like, you obviously talk about some of the other things that you see on on, on LinkedIn and things. And uh, and I've seen, oh, you, I can see you on. You obviously have a good understanding of biomechanics because your questions are always quite. Uh, like you know how you you know biomechanics based so that's cool. I didn't know you're orthodist, so that's uh, that's great. Um, yeah. So this is the the actual truth is I don't have any design background. <laughs> no. All right. Ah, but so you're self-taught essentially. Yeah. Wow. So like, I, I, and it's not I, easy. 
I've had a I've had a little dabble with like rect online rectification and I, I mean that was hard. Um, so like, go with yeah, so yeah, that's um, that's the actual um, you know the story behind it because I'm trained as an orthotist, but I don't have any design background. So because my designs maybe you may find interesting because uh, from my point of view it looks different. So you know from the biomechanically point of view. So whatever I design, always keep these things in mind and then and check whether it's going to practically work or not. Yeah, because that's where I kind of wanted to start. Like where, like my more and more I kind of look at three D printing and and it, and and the, and the software that's becoming available to to design and create it's you just almost start every time with like a blank canvas and then you know i just i guess how do you come up with a concept the concept is um so when you when you see a problem so if you want to rectify an issue or to make it you know better an existing product or you know kind of research or test anything so i'm i'm probably start with rectifying issues rather than mm -hmm. if you see a problem okay. then there are also there are highly, you know, more chance to develop as a concept. Yeah. Why we can't do it some other way and why we can't try it this way and, you know. Because I recently kind of just started thinking about combinations of, like, other oh, hybrid. Yeah, and then you had made one. So I was thinking that was really cool that you'd already, like, kind of managed to put one together. And I thought that was a nice principle and uh, combining the properties of two materials that are, you know, really, really beneficial to, to the industry. Sure. And uh, Doug, um, also, I just wanted to mention that because my most of the designs are kind of still in a concept, you know, stage. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to, you know, test and doing further research on it. But uh, the reason I'm sharing this with, you know, LinkedIn community, most of the stuff, because people should think in a different way as well. So just outside the box. So there's other way we can achieve this, you know. Yeah. Um, and you've got, having... you, I should mention, you've got your own uh, Instagram page where there's some good images as well which are really nice yeah just to show them there is a, some a different way to achieve the problems and you know then make it more um available for other people who are you know there's an really excellent uh, there's an excellent looking uh pencil holder uh, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately it's got an arsenal badge on the side of it but <laughs> but uh it, it's, I, I like that that's cool I love it. And, and the phone you've done a, a phone like uh, yeah yeah that's absolutely just and then yeah just think that there's so many things you can do so, and you just yeah so what happens so when you just use only uh piano software so the bespoke software your designs uh, capabilities are kind of limited mm -hmm. so if you're trying to use the commercial softwares uh, i don't really want to mention any name uh, but i'm just telling it um, commercial <laughs> you, might, you might get a discount if we get some listeners <laughs> <laughs> So the commercial, if you're trying to change uh, the commercial software the way you want, you know, in the orthotic designs and it, it will give you a totally different look and, you know, edges and, you know, it's just totally different looks. So like you've, um, got more you've got more tools in the commercial ones? Uh, the com commercials ones are designed for, you know, it's for the engineering purpose. So, so it got kind of, you know, sharp edges, fillets and chamfers and those stuff. Okay. Um, so I can easily differentiate by looking at the design, which software they used. So okay. yeah. they use the bespoke or the commercial ones. Yeah, because so I've seen like um, 
I know Brent Wright posts a lot about uh, his, his methods and what he uses and his list of software, different softwares for different things he was trying to make. Was, 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 there must have been about eight different uh, programs on there that he was using depending on what he was trying to yeah. create. Yeah, which is crazy. Like that's yes. another whole <laughs> level of skill, but uh, uh, to, to be able to see it like that, like you described, to be able to see, all right, this design would be benefit from this program, and then go forth. But I think that's a little bit of my knowledge of, of the software. <laughs> it, uh, if you if you know more than one software, that would be a huge benefit, you know. Yeah, and it, it it's something you probably have to spend a lot of time, kind of like learning and um, testing and seeing what works with what. And... Yes. Yeah, so... It's it's kind of tricky. So if you have a design in your mind and if you want to bring into the design into life, so you know, so you have to work from the sketch and then slowly building up. Um, yeah, we can't we can't really make it in you know first attempts. Maybe it takes a couple of attempts and then especially I don't have uh, access for the printer. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. So I'll pro yeah 3D printer. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 So every time I design something. I have to send and then check whether it's working or not. So it's a kind of time consuming. And if you have a time, if you have a machine by yourself, it's quite easy. So you can easily check something and then quickly you know, make a decision on it. Yeah, because I was going to ask, there is an element of like, how do you test the functionality of a design? That, that was one of my, my questions. And, and can you do a bit of that prior to printing? Or how, how does um, that process work? I can, I can um, check the certain amount of forces going through um, the design. So I can check that prior to the printing. Is that the finite but, element analysis? Is yeah, that the, so yeah. we can use FES um, and then checks. But still, uh, I'm not really 100% confident. I can, um, the FES can really mimic the real world force. I, I was going to say that kind of probably gives you like a certain amount of forces. And obviously, you can place them based on your biomechanical knowledge. But there's forces that people create inside our forces, which are almost, no. uh, I think I had something fracture the other uh, week um, but only because the, the patient had a, an overly large spasm which doesn't happen very often um, or, or hardly at all and he had his uh, orthosis on it and it and it was and it fractured you know he wasn't hurt or anything but it was obviously a kind of anomaly that you could never predict like the orthoses have been in place for a year and then oh. has one very large spasm and then Factors a, a small part of it, and uh, you just can't predict that. And uh, exactly, so, so, so yeah, the human body is it's extremely difficult, you know, moments and mechanisms. So it's, it's completely, um, I can totally agree with that. Yeah, so it takes time to mimic the real world for us, to be honest with you. Hence, why you got to do a bit of analysis, then print it, then test it, and then kind of create a repeatable design. Um, and, and it's interesting, do you ever, I always go back a step and I always think, how much of that ever went on, like, with polypropylene, where we make, traditionally make things from, I mean, so, the, the decisions that orthotists make are like, four mil, or like, three, two mil, three mil, four mil, six mil, and you base that loosely on patient weight, activity level, and potentially, like, spasticity. True, so, so the, the, this... This is the this is the the great advantage of you know additive manufacturing. So additive can um, you know remove all the um, what do you call all the problems we got with the traditional manufacturing. So if uh, if you just use the the core poly or core 
the poly, the plastic ones. Um, so the clinician just um, deciding based on the experience, just use the four mil. Exactly. So, so, but he doesn't really know whether it's too much or too less until yeah. he fits. Yeah. So maybe that device is already over-engineered. Yeah. So the- I think, the, I think the, that's a massive problem where the door to 3D printing is like, well, why are we, this is already a, a more tried and tested- uh, I'm totally agree with you, yeah. It, uh, so here we have a possibility to optimize most of the stuff. So example, the trim line and the stiffness and the thickness. So these are crucial to design an AFO. So, so we have lots of issues with the traditional manufacturing because of these reasons, but I can't really say, will uh, 3D printing re resolve all the problems? No. No, uh, it, still, it still depends what you put into it, your clinical decision-making alongside the design yeah. of the resources. So exactly, they still have, to, you still have to take ownership of that as clinicians and designers that we, we are combined, we're putting the input of information as it's correct or it's accurate uh, so that we can design something that uh, okay. is, is, is going to function as you want it to. Because that kind of leads me on to another learning point for me particularly is, so obviously like some of the orthoses that you design and share, I've got like beautiful patterns on them. Um, and, and, and I think, and then you also get that variable thickness, um, which is, uh, obviously a massive benefit if you can vary the thickness so that it's you're massive, having yeah. it do they does, does the design link with the thickness or does is it design purely cosmetic or does it add what does that add what do, what, how do you come up with that i guess like, well i want to understand that we were better yeah yeah it's no problem yeah so <laughs> i have kind of different views um, for the you know the displays and devices so, so i see all the medical devices as a kind of fashionable wear <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, well, you want it to look attractive because people um, yeah. will, will be uh, so, happier to use it. To be, to be honest, no one wants to wear the planes. Great. No one wants. So I, I give you a, you know, it's a great example. I, this is the, I just had this last week before something. A 14 years teenage girl with a new pair of Air Force planes. Uh, I'm not sure where she got it from. Um, she isn't happy at all. And um, I'm gonna tell you the exact line she mentioned in her post, which is really heartbreaking. If anything shouts out disability, it's definitely splints. Yeah. Um, so this, she's only 14 years old and then she doesn't want to wear them at all. So when I have, you know, I really kind of, it touched me. So I said, I just texted her. So would you mind specify the reason why you don't like them? She says it's too bulky. Um, I, I checked the photos, it's kind of all engineered and poorly fitted splints. Mm -hmm. um, so I just, um, I gave her a proposal, like an offer, you know, kind of saying, we can make, make this better and we can change your view towards the splints and we can print something for you in a 3D. And, yeah. you know, I'll make a nice design for you, but I can't promise until we come, you come to the clinic and have a full assessment. Yeah. But I I promise one, you would love the splints if I make one for you. <laughs> it's a, I, I think that's that's the, the benefit I, I can see and, and, the, and the problems you see through like some of the social media groups for parents and whatnot is exactly that. It's the bulk, it's the and that, that seems to be a common theme across 
a lot of the parents talking about difficulty getting footwear on and um, having to find these are common issues yeah and I, and I think you although 3d printing i would this is the bit that always sticks in my head is that definitely lighter definitely thinner able to maintain the same strength and in my mind there's definitely some functional benefits from the variable thickness it's just trying to objectively measure those is is kind of where definitely where i'm at the moment but the, it does always depend on the shape and size of the foot that you put inside it. So if you do have a wide foot, it's still going to be a wide foot and you're still exactly, wrapping yeah. material around it. But um, I think the other bit of that that you already mentioned was the, the, the appearance. Like you can, there seems to be at the moment, at this current time, that the appeal of looking at a 3D printed orthosis is, is, looks a lot nicer than what you, and, and that's obviously subjective. Um, but no people doubt, are, yeah. People are from the from 3D printed orthoses that have people are like, oh, it's lighter, it's thinner. That's it. They get it in their hands and then they become it looks different. So, so the finish is different, whether you've just got it in the kind of um traditional black or or you've hydro dipped it. Color. it yeah. Uh, and I mean the hydro dipping finishes are, are are beautiful. And then some of the designs, like the patterns that go on them are make them just like the variability, the options are just kind of endless. And I just think that engages the, the, the kind of users more, that they have a little bit more input and they can they can have a little bit more. True. Um, you can see the future, no doubt, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's it. It's like, well, chatting to some orthotists in the NHS, it's like, oh, you know, where can we use this? And it's like, well, if you use it for one person, I don't really see how you can't, you wouldn't be able to then say, can use it for this person but i can't use it for that person like you're getting plastic <laughs> and you're getting but how could you you know if you start then it would be kind of like there would be no reason to stop so hopefully hopefully they'll be able to get on board with it soon yeah so it, it takes time so what we are trying to do is we're trying to change something i've been doing for you know they've done for a long time so if you if you just tell an orthodist um can you scan instead of cast he won't like it unless if you justify the reason yeah. because they all purely deep, uh, rely on their hand manipulations and um, they've been doing for so long they got that experience but new techniques everybody's doesn't everybody's a little bit apprehensive of change i find so true yeah um to to say oh you know you could position this on a on a plastic plate and scan it and you wouldn't have to cast um and and then trying to think oh, well that I might make a mistake or and it might mean I have to do it again and you know yeah. and unfortunately with new things we do have to kind of make mistakes to, to learn um so I think that's the biggest risk for clinicians uh, to, to try and get them to embrace it. Starting is always hard but once they're in they can slowly develop yeah and, and it from is your, achievable. From your perspective of self-teaching yourself to be a designer is pretty incredible but uh, that's it, it is a hard work, but I have a real passion towards it, you know. So yeah. I spend lots of time and then um, if I see a design, I was thinking, okay, what's the real advantage of it? So yeah. the thing is, people just copying exactly what we are trying to do in the traditional manufacturing. So copy yeah. exact the trim line, exact trim lines and exact everything. There's yeah. no point if you copy exact everything what you're doing in the traditional manufacturing, the plastic and, you know, plaster. There's no real use of 3D printing. Yeah. And, so and I think, have... like we mentioned earlier, the, the options are like, there is there is no end to what you could probably design. I mean, you can answer that better than I can. 
Yeah, because there's a real potential because if you optimize the trim line and then if you if you if you have a you know thickness where it needs to be and if you have a you know very uh, light uh, thickness where it you know, really needed to be so you can change the thickness all the way from you know toe to top mm -hmm. so that's that's great you can do in the traditional manufacturing yeah and if you uh, also if you just optimize the trim line means so you have to bring the trim line as low as possible you know so skin to uh, device contact it should be minimal Mm -hmm. but so, uh, and, and it's that balance of minimal contact minimal amount of material for the right amount of control of what you're trying to achieve which exactly. means that the, the input data of like from a clinical side is like position type of uh weight of patient activity of patient and trying to describe that and like level of spasticity like so you can get into yeah yeah, some some cases we can't really you know achieve with you know what we really want but most of the cases we can with the mild cases we can give a beautiful product yeah. if it's really serious spasticity and you know we have a we need a full control of the foot but still we can achieve something with a smaller smo and then connect it with the hybrid something yeah and always we can try to make the device as light as possible yeah but, but you keep the same strength as using 6 no plastic, exactly. but it's it's lighter and it's thinner, it's variable. Um, I think I think if you compare each person's prescription from what they would get in terms of plastic to which what they would get in terms of nylon 3D printed, then it would always be a a, a lighter, thinner device. It's a product, yeah. Yeah, if you're trying to create exactly the same forces from the same thing. Exactly. So this, each patient is unique, you know, so then the orthotic must uh, make this individuality mm -hmm. and also it should be anatomically seamless. Yeah, that's, that's the thing I've noticed, like with, I'd say a large percentage, the more of, of, of 3D printed devices that I've, I've made is like, kind of get more confidence with scanning and realize that actually the accuracy that you're getting, you can manipulate the position of the to get the to create the scan is, is 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 incredible like compared to the error you might random error you would almost find sometimes with plaster cast and rectification like that process is so much more vulnerable to to error like oh, the human errors yeah like a, high there <clears throat> yeah like the rectification by hand process i mean they still i've tried the rectification process on um on on like software to to make it's, it's not it's not easy it's not as easy as a guy made it look in the demo <laughs> but I, th I thank you for giving me a blast that <laughs> and i was like yeah this is hard and um, <laughs> spend more time with that um but but it was the accuracy of i guess what you could do was was there and that's and it kind of leads me on to the question next question i wanted to ask is like with more and more digital workflows um coming into play do you see like there's a role for a designer in, in the kind of manufacturing team or how do you kind of yeah, see I, your, your role kind of I strongly into... believe. Yeah, I strongly believe. So when the, the 3D printing is kind of more accessible and, you know, now it's, it's still kind of quite expensive to be honest with you because of the HP printers and, you yeah. know, there's only printer people who rely on the most of the time now. There yeah. are other printers there, but I don't think so. People really print something and use it. Yeah, it's a very in small. That, in, the, in the way that we make things and apply large forces 
to, exactly. To yes. So if forces. it's a non non weight bearing product, it's absolutely fine. You can use any machines, even for you know two hundred pounds from the eBay should work. Yeah. But when it comes to the weight bearings and the air force and the complicated forces and stuff, so we can't really really use this machine with the uh, FDM, you know, yeah. a technology. Um, yeah. So I, I I definitely agree with you. Uh, there should be a place for all the uh, the technicians can be a kind of digital technician. Yeah, that was kind of when I was writing that question. I thought, and I started thinking about it. It's like. Is it going to be, you know, 10, 10 years time that uh, yeah, dig digital absolutely. technicians are, are, are the new kind of like, that's, that's the new guys that are going to be in, in factories and workshops, <laughs> yeah. going to be like a desk and computers and because sure, yeah. of what we can do and, and, and hopefully, I, I hope and I think it will happen and it would, will make more sense for people to go down that route as it becomes a little bit more accessible uh, with the printing. Probably if you have something in the university, um, the course kind of design for them, like, you know, with the biomechanics and kind yeah. of you know, pathology and stuff. So they should understand this um, to make a kind of good designs and designer. Yeah, if you come so, out of university with those skills would be incredible. Yeah. So now if you have an industrial designer and you can input as much as you want, but I don't think so still he can achieve the design we wanted because he doesn't know the biomechanic side of it yeah um so, uh, you can make a kind of process and then try well i don't know the end results would be good as someone know the orthotic or industry and know the biomechanics design yeah. something would be better yeah, yeah that's kind of what you're doing right now you probably um follow down the line than a lot of people around the world i guess there's only not many people that are doing what you do um specifically for PO, but PO and the own PO for 3D printing seems to be one of the most talked about things. Uh certainly I that you kind of see and read about HP are always doing seminars <laughs> on it and talking about it. So it uh, it's really just nice to see just trying to give people the confidence to get on board with it and, and give it a try. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to kind of finish off by asking you of any lessons you've learned from 3d printing good and bad um lessons so, or, so these the lessons of so some patients may want them to be realistic as possible other want them to be more you know creative to capture their lifestyle characters and interest yeah so we we just don't want to really you know stick with one protocol so just want to tick the boxes okay this this is our sheet just tick the boxes and done yeah so um so i was thinking so if we have if we have a options to choose them in a different you know so someone really well off they are ready to pay so because it's financially sometimes it's hard to you know push if you want to 3d print it or the plastic or the carbon fiber it's hard yeah so if they are if they're well off and they're ready to pay and i think they should have a kind of top-notch you know design and things mm -hmm. yeah but if there there isn't an option so they can't have it yeah it, so, it, and that's that's kind of what we find like that you know we can would say like we can make it this way or we can make it that way we can use these materials or this and this would be the the, the advantages or disadvantages i think like being able to give those options to your patients yeah, is exactly 
I should say, give that you, option, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's it. It's about options. So people make their own decision. You kind of, yeah. like, as a clinician, I kind of think, I, I can kind of say, this is what I think we should try and achieve to, and it's usually working alongside physiotherapists to say, um, you know, we, this is what we're struggling with in therapy. Can, can orthotics give us a hand with this? And then you can say, oh, yeah, you could use carbon for this or 3D printed for that. Um, or, you know, there is plastic available too and it, and it comes in at, a, you know, a lower price mark. Um, and then people might say, oh, what's 3D printed? And you can explain those, those benefits. And then it's kind of, although slightly more expensive, it's, it's it sometimes becomes a no-brainer for most, for most people. And then certainly in, in kids where you want it to be, I mean, you, you the example you gave of the 14-year-old, I mean, that's a kind of prime age where they're just, you know, teenagers and, you know, parents is everything. And, yeah, and, they, they love to have something fashionable rather than kind of old traditional look plastic, yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. And just to try and, try and make it as, you know, so as appealing the, to them as possible. So the objective, objective is not only restoring the function, uh, but empowering through fashion. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. I think that's where the designs that you do are kind of. I like the creativity that's behind them, and I like that. Um, although, like, kind of, like, I guess the companies that we're using for manufacturer are like looking to provide something that looks better than traditional, but also trying to make sure that repeatable and safe to use, so they kind yeah, of then maybe are totally understand. Yeah, slightly more wary of so kind of probably. Design perspective, you're probably a little bit restricted because you have to repeat the same design, but yeah. because of the you know the commercial use. That's but still the as long as the product looks better, so it's, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah, and I think if um, anyone wants to check out some of the cool designs, it uh, it's um, design uh, ortho design underscore rubs or rubs. But ribs for ribbon, I'm guessing there uh, yeah. on, on Instagram, and you'll see a few of the designs that you've got on there, and you've been playing with, and um, it, uh, some of the rendered images and some of the things you've actually had printed out, which is cool, just cool to see. Um, so yeah, I just want to say thanks, Ruben, for coming on because it was good to have that conversation and, and learn uh, about the design element of it. I'm sure uh, that we've only just touched the, the surface of that. But I, as a clinician, I feel like uh, I can understand more. I, I can see exactly what you're trying to do now, test really challenge the parameters of, of what design needs to be and, and, and can, how much can we change it to, to achieve the same, uh, to achieve the results we want. Um, uh, thank you, Doug. I really appreciate it. Uh, for, thanks for having me on your podcast. And um, yeah, I think the, the listeners will find some you know, points they're interested in there. Um, I don't know whether we keep all the way <laughs> engaged, but <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much again, and we'll speak again soon. <laughs>